Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. We're back in the saddle for our holiday special. <laughs> Doubling up. 2020 Double barrel Martin a- family holiday special. <laughs> 2020 has been a doozy. <laughs> yep, it's been a watch doozy. Out for, watch out for that puddle. It's a doozy. Don't forget your booties because it's cold outside. Speaking of which, um, a really nice uh, audience member of my streaming show, Main Politics, who goes by the name Ned Ryerson. Oh my God. Did a, did a best of edit of uh, of the last 50 episodes of the show. It's pretty funny. I posted it up there. Um, Ned Ryerson, of course, <laughs> is from Groundhog Day. Um, and I was trying to actually think of who else has that actor played before. That's like, and I feel like he's mostly known for sleazy roles. And my mind immediately went to single white female. And that's like the only other movie I can think of he, that he was in. That's amazing. I love yeah. that that guy's alias is that. Those 80s really, really characters, solid. those 90s, 80s character actors. I feel like there's a lot of really good ones, like J.T. Walsh, who passed away. Well, it's really, uh, it really is just reminiscent of Groundhog Day, this whole pandemic that we're living in. Month nine, Robbie. But before we get into everything, I wanted to plug really quickly, Media Roots Radio is now on Spotify for Hell yeah. the first time after 10 years, a little late to the game, but now you don't have to download the SoundCloud app and all that shit to listen to our podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify if you already have the app. We're also on Instagram at Media Roots Radio, so please go follow us there. Uh, join the community. You can actually participate in our Discord channel and talk well, that's to me and the Robbie cool directly. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's one thing we should really trumpet is the Discord channel. Yeah is probably the first time we've actually had anything resembling like a real community where people can really interact with each other. You know, social media, it's like comment section, comment threads is one is, you know, it's just, it doesn't really feel like real interaction. This does because it's everybody, all of our patron subscribers communicating with each other. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So, um, consider becoming a Patreon subscriber to get access to that. And there's quite a lot of people in there already. Yeah. It's super fun. And it's really cool to just hear from all of you and also really encourage everyone to subscribe to the newsletter because as social media algorithms become ever more tyrannical um, and censorship is becoming kind of this supreme ideology I think that people really need to go back to the original concept of newsletters and start you know reaching their followers directly through newsletters and email chains. So yep. please go to mediaroots.org and uh, subscribe. You can also go to the link on our SoundCloud channel and subscribe to our newsletter there. We just did a series of amazing episodes that have been getting a lot of traction. The two hosts of True Anon were on. Liz um, Franzek and Brace Belden. Yeah, I was. I forgot. I forgot how to say her last name, so I was trying to. <laughs> avoid that. I could tell uh, the the free Masonic series that my brother has been doing an ongoing series of nearly twenty hours so far of incredible untold history of the Freemason influence on the entire United States. I mean, everything from the Revolutionary War to to Mormonism. We're at the Civil War. the The next awesome. episode, part five, about seventy percent of it's going to be covering the civil war and masonry in that, which is a very interesting story. And I'll just give people oh. a little teaser now that um, most historians who study war have found the civil war very notable and unique for a very specific reason. And that is Freemasonry uh, that actually people on the Confederate and union side would save each other's injured soldiers if they were Masons. 
Um, wow. And they would actually wear Masonic lapel pins to identify each other on the battlefield. They would keep their Masonic membership cards. They would even do Masonic distress signals while like laying bleeding out, you know, after like the Confederates would like wipe out an army. There'd be like a Union soldier just do there doing the Masonic hand signal while dying on the ground. It's fucking nuts. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> insane. Yeah. Insane facet of history right there. Yeah, definitely check it out, you guys. For as little as $5 a month, you can access this incredible archive of just the most bizarre shit of all time. I mean, it is really mind-bending stuff that you put together there, Robbie, uh, accompanied by a really cool Nintendo-like soundtrack. And we've unlocked the first one. Yep, yeah. We've unlocked the first one. It's about four hours long. Go check it out and just see, because you'll get hooked. You'll get hooked. Um, and check out our latest podcast with Douglas Valentine, expert on the CIA. Everyone has been giving us amazing feedback for that. You really feel like you are going with him on his journey, exposing everything from drug trafficking to secret assassination programs. Really, really crazy stuff. Um, and you also did a Empire Files uh, you just did the a whole thing about Biden's cabinet, which is really good. Everyone Biden's cabinet. Check out. Yep. I'm doing more breaking the set style monologues because, you know, we're not able to survive doing these like once a month documentaries. <laughs> um, so we're trying to do more, you know, short form stuff that's more digestible, especially this Empire update that we've started, because I think that that's also lacking is like what is happening on a weekly basis with what the U.S. Empire is doing around the world. So, but Robbie, month nine, month nine, like Groundhog Day, uh, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, 1,000 Americans were dying every day. You know, I remember Italy, it was just like this horrific notion that 1,000 Italians were dying every day. Of course, you can look at proportionally the size of the countries. But when 1,000 Americans were dying every day, we were just like in awe at how horrible this was, at how many people were dying. And now... <laughs> Nine months later, it's over 3,000 per day. I'm in the epicenter of this right now. It is an uncontrolled spread across the entire country. The government and media are painting it as individuals, quote, not doing their part, right? This is because of individuals refusing to wear their masks, refusing to social distance. Just like when you look at like the argument for climate change and pollution, it's just like, well, you know, it's up to you. The onus is on you, to change the system. It's like, no, dude, the onus is on the system to change society. This is a structural problem. You know, look at countries like China, Vietnam, New Zealand, almost every other country in the world. In fact, every other country in the world has been able to curb this and effectively control it immediately. What, Abby, the Chinese um, are hiding like a <laughs> million dead the bodies, the ashes of a million dead yeah. people from COVID in the hills yep. and the mountains of Mongolia yep. or whatever. Yeah. And at the very least, like direct cash payments so people don't feel like they have to leave the house and work every day. You know? Yeah. It is, it is really, really strange how normalized this has become in a way. You know, we're obviously facing the vaccine rollout right now, which, I mean, I'm not someone who traditionally doubts vaccinations. I'm, I, if I had a child, if I was in your shoes, Abby, I would probably mm -hmm. vaccinate my kid. Not necessarily to the letter. I might, you know, do it slower than they recommend or something just because I am not, you know, fully confident of medical sciences uh, or, well, I should say pharmaceutical companies. But on the other hand, I would probably take a COVID vaccine if I knew that it was safe, if I knew that it was right. safe and fully tested. But the weird thing about this is it's like they're really playing games with this. I mean, first of all, the media 
told us the truth at the beginning. The mainstream media did. They said that it would, it could never, a COVID vaccine would not never come out like within a year. It was impossible. And Mm -hmm. in some ways they were actually telling us the truth because what they meant, I think, is that a properly tested and vetted and human trial vaccine wouldn't come out that soon. It would be impossible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the pharmaceutical interest, the big money that controls the media is now like, no, this is safe now. Like we've tested this and it's like, now that's their message. But it's like, it's just, it's kind of like the Fauci mask thing originally where it's like they told us not to wear masks because they wanted healthcare workers to have them. So there wouldn't be a run on the mask. And now they all tell us to wear masks. It's, it's that kind of stuff that I think it really does give these, not even conspiratorial people, but the right sort of narrative, so much ammunition to just turn around and be like, this is all bullshit. You know, this is all fake when it needs to be a more nuanced argument happening in there. And that's the thing that continually bothers me is I think in reality, what Trump probably had happen here, Abby, was a strategy to basically leave it to the states on purpose so that he Mm -hmm. didn't have to take the blame for it. And simultaneously a secret initiative of herd immunity, which has never been shown to work in history. And that's something that I think most people are not thinking about here is that clearly there was something on paper in the Trump administration for herd immunity. Like they, that's what they basically, that was their soft strategy. Cause at the same time, it's like, yeah, Trump totally fucked up, dropped the ball in that pandemic, did a horrible job responding to it. But at that point, really their herd immunity paradigm is like one existing paradigm that he'd probably be like, yeah, I'll do that now because it's really the only thing I can do. Right. He wanted to play both sides. Yeah. He wanted the states to act on their own accord so he couldn't be held responsible or accountable for any of the policies. Yeah. And it works beautifully. Yeah, of course. And then he can he can blame everything on Fauci, who he still hasn't fired. And these rich motherfuckers, these old rich motherfuckers are all announcing themselves getting this vaccine, which, as you mentioned, this is a very quick rollout. It seems highly unpredictable at what this vaccine is going to do, you know, in terms of like side effects or whatever. I'm not distrusting of vaccines at all, but it is like very, very rushed through, you know, and, and I'm wondering if it's because Trump wants to do it before he leaves. I don't really know. All of these people, these politicians announcing themselves getting the COVID vaccine to gain trust or whatever, posting these photos. Meanwhile, they're debating whether or not to give us six hundred dollars. <laughs> like, it's, like it's just absolutely mind bending. Yeah, it is. It's and like, I just saw like this article fuck. on corporate media saying, "Here's how you can wisely invest the six hundred dollar check that might what? be coming to you." Yeah, that is, dude. That makes me want to like punch my screen. That's yeah. so fucked up. Meanwhile, food lines wrapping around cities for miles and miles. It's just like, holy shit, dude. This is, that was what's interesting to me about when this first started, Abby. It was like, this is a failed state. We need healthcare for all immediately. Everything Bernie was saying, you know, all the sort of idealistic version of Bernie, the, the, you know, that version all the things he was saying seemed immediately validated. And then suddenly we were faced with this like torrent of different narratives to like take our eye away from that obvious reality. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it was so bare, like laid to bear. Whoa, dude. Like America is, is a total fail. Say, holy fuck. And then now it's just (laughs) like, we're, I mean, it almost is just pathetic and sad in a way that we're, we're getting even angry at the $600, uh, UBI or whatever this like one check is for because like what do we expect like I'm actually surprised they're giving right. us anything right I know I mean the I real 
message to all this is we don't give a fuck about you and we don't give yep. a fuck if you die your grandpa dies we don't give a fuck dude but they got theirs pretty much but robbie didn't you see obama's list of netflix movies that he's recommending to everyone so just sit back Beautiful. and enjoy the ride obama dude. put the boys as as one of his <laughs> netflix or like <laughs> movies that he's watching and it's like does he not realize that he's homelander or that he's he is the evil characters in the movie like that's what he is. You cannot make this shit up. It is so dystopian. And then, meanwhile, billionaires made a trillion dollars in excess wealth during the pandemic. Imagine how I just—if we taxed them, if we fucking taxed them—I just can't. I can't wrap my mind around how much of a failed state this is, and how much, like you said, people have taken their eyes off the ball of what exactly is the solution here. And I'm not talking about like a revolution. I'm talking about, even though I do believe that's what we need, I'm talking about right now, what could be the biggest measures passed to help people immediately? Emergency Medicare for all, an emergency measure. Yes, I know Medicare for all, if implemented, it's going to take like years to roll out. Just like these minimum wage bills, it's like, oh, five-year rollout. Well, we need this shit fucking right now. People are dying. We don't have health care. We're the only advanced country in the world that has no health care. Um, we need that right now. And we also need stimulus. Monthly. Monthly. If you want to curb the spread, pay people to stay home. It's month nine. And we're still arguing about this. Like, we're still pleading politicians who are sitting on their fucking asses acting like nothing's going on, taking vacations without even negotiating with each other about what to do. At least Bernie's saying he's going to try to shut down the government um, and until they agree to a measly $1,200 check for us. He's actually willing to do that. He's one of the only senators alongside this other guy, Senator Josh Howley, surprisingly a conservative, a Republican senator from Missouri, is also working with Bernie um, to do this. So it's just absolutely shocking that there's like two senators trying to actually do emergency measures like this and telling Congress people like, we are not going to go on Christmas break unless you do something for the families of this country. It's absolutely disturbing. It's, it's just, it's such, it's such a tragedy. I mean, it, it, I could really fully understand why just this situation alone is making everybody completely hopeless about politics or putting your faith in any representative right now. Um, even just Bernie. I mean, if I was mm -hmm. a Bernie surrogate, I would have been, I would have felt betrayed by the way he ended that run in the primary, that last debate performance right after COVID hit. I felt like that was his, that was his moment where he should have, it should have been like, I'm the mad as hell moment. You know, it, that should Joe have been Joe Biden's it. a friend of mine. Yeah, that was so fucked, dude. And it's like, that was his last chance, really. It's like, yes, he still has a voice. He can still shut down the government. But dude, you lost that spotlight that you had. And you really, I mean, you could have had an effect. He could have, I think. Some really impassioned something. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, as, as long as you're in the game, yes. people would have listened to you more. And he left, he hung his hat up, he gave up. And people will argue that, you know, he felt like it wasn't worth it because Biden certainly wasn't stopping the primary elections during COVID and stuff. And But I, I don't buy that. I think that Bernie really lost the plot there and he could have continued with the press conferences on a, on a daily basis. He could have just slammed Biden on this. We are in the middle of a pandemic. He knew, he knew what was coming. And here we are. He definitely could have done a lot more. 
You know, instead of saying Joe Biden was my friend, Joe Biden's my friend and he's a good guy. It's like he's actually not a good guy and he doesn't care if millions of people fucking die. Um, Let's move on to Tulsi Gabbard because this is absolutely batshit, Robbie. These bizarre bills that she's proposing in her final weeks left in office. Here we are in a pandemic. Millions of people are losing their health care. Millions of people are facing eviction. And she's doing all of these weird performative stunts, introducing bills that are toothless and also for fake issues, absolutely non-existent issues. Like, let's get that out of the way. And it's all very like pandery to Republicans and um, this weird Trumpian base, which I guess signals to what she wants to do next. It's very unclear where she's going to go after this. But these bills are just nuts, Robbie. Absolutely nuts. You don't care about fairness in sports, Abby? (laughs) And let's get this out of the way. Yes, the whistleblower protection thing, great. Absolutely amazing. I'm happy that she's talking about Julian Assange. It is a little bit too late for me. I wish that this was happening years ago, you know. Um, But that is great. I'll give her that. We obviously need to pardon Assange and Edward Snowden. That's mm-hmm. probably the best one. But one more bill that just I don't see in the notes that I just wanted mm-hmm, to briefly mm-hmm. mention that other people are celebrating right now. And I'm skeptical of it. But if it is a full repeal, then I'm for it. What is it? Um, she is claiming she is she proposed a bill to repeal the Patriot Act or she just announced she's going to do one. The right. details aren't out yet. But when it comes to Tulsi Gabbard's attitude towards terrorism, I'm very skeptical that it will actually fully repeal the Patriot Act because for me, the only way to do it is basically to fully 100% repeal it and actually allow people who are prosecuted under the Patriot Act to sue the federal government for some kind of reparations. And if it doesn't include at least both of those, then I'm not, I wouldn't support it. Um, But my feeling is that Tulsi has been very wishy-washy on terrorism and even at times weirdly Islamophobic, Sam Harrisy, new atheist wanting to talk about, you know, radical Islamic terrorism and getting mad at Obama, one of the like probably the the only non-stupid things Obama did. Mm -hmm. Um, She attacked him from the right over that and demanded that he called, you know, uh, the people who were fighting in the Middle East radical Islamic terrorists. I just can't trust it on its face i would have to see the details but those are actually probably the least problematic pieces of legislation that she has announced recently which is just still odd because she's only going to be in there for three more weeks just the fact that she's launching this many pieces of legislation on the way out i mean she can't possibly devote that much energy to any single one no of one. course not no of course not it's, she knows that they're all going to fail it's just it seems like a just show. her way of yeah it is a show It is a show. She should have been fighting. If she should have been trying to launch the repeal of the Patriot Act the second she got into Congress and fighting for it for the last, I don't know how long she's been in Congress, but for that many years, instead of a week before she leaves. It's just so weird. It's like, yeah, I agree. Of course, we should repeal the Patriot Act. Yeah, I agree. Of course, Snowden and Assange should be pardoned. But like, why is all this happening the last month that you're there? What are you trying to do? What kind of base are you trying to build with this? Because it's coupled with these crazy right-wing pieces of legislation that really goes full mask off. Um, If the Project Veritas thing wasn't mask off enough, this fake issue of ballot harvesting, that she promoted Project Veritas, um, which was essentially like a racist attack on Elon Omar's campaign. She didn't even apologize. She actually just said like, Elon Omar needs to like address this issue or something. I forget what she said, but it was like a really weird fake apology. Um, 
I mean, she was trolled pretty hard for promoting Project Veritas, but like it was just, it, she just still didn't get it, you know? And she still pretended that ballot harvesting was the sinister thing instead of just what it is, which is collecting ballots on behalf of like elderly and disabled people. Um, and and then again, like pushing the voter fraud issue, which is statistically insignificant. So that was the first thing that was really like strange, you know? We were just like, whoa, like really out of left field, super bizarre shit. And then, Boom, 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 comes the trans athlete ban bill. You want to talk about what that one was? <laughs> yeah, it's the one that respects the science and the biology, Abby, and it's meant to protect women's rights. And really all it does, Abby, it's pretty innocuous. I don't know what your what the big deal is. It's, it only demands that high schools all over the country refuse to allow male to female trans students to perform in athletics and if they don't comply they get their funding pulled so i mean what's the problem like that's i mean seems above board to me i mean it just shows yeah silly. that's not transphobic i mean obviously at all, i'm being Robbie. sarcastic but the, that's not transphobic at all dude it's just so clearly obvious that it's designed as part of some kind of right-wing political op to create a culture war issue in places that will not comply with the law and so in essence, it will actually hurt all students, not just trans ones if the law gets passed, because if a school chooses to protest it on civil rights grounds, uh, they will not be funded. They won't have their athletics funded. It's just fascinating how much of a sort of intellectual dark web wedge issue this is. And it's also under the guise of women's rights because it only applies to male to female trans people. It's essentially a turf model piece of legislation and what turf means is trans exclusionary radical feminist it's a term that uh that jk rowling has sort of become famous for jk rowling sort of refused to acknowledge that uh trans women were women like uh, years ago on twitter and she just kept doubling down and doubling down on it when she would argue in her replies to the point where she became like a full-on transphobe who started writing like transphobic crime novels about like a wow. transsexual serial killer and shit. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Wow. So anyways, if people don't know what, you know, aren't familiar with some of these terms that I'm using or think, well, wait a second, Robbie, how is this transphobic? This is merely saying that, you know, biological males who have a physical advantage shouldn't be allowed in women's sports. That's completely fair. Why wouldn't you be for that? Well, here's why. First of all, I'm ultimately I'm I'm a civil libertarian in the regard that why would you want the federal government to put their hand into the way high schools decide to conduct their sports and decide based <laughs> on what the gender roles are and to if they receive funding or not that's that seems really draconian to me just from a civil liberties point of view why would you even want that to exist additionally a lot of the people who are arguing for this bill and saying it's totally not bigoted it's not transphobic it is about protecting women. And they also say this is about keeping fairness in sports. It's really important that men, you know, people who are born male don't have an unfair advantage. First of all, not everybody who's born a male has an advantage over right. someone who's born a female. That's right. a blanket statement in and of itself. What are we talking about? Advantage. Just because your body, your skeleton may be more dense or your body may be on average bigger doesn't equal like giving you an advantage in an athletic sport. There are a lot of other aspects of playing sports and athletics that play into that besides your physical size 
or, you know, your skeleton density, things like that. So I think ultimately that it's really funny to me that there's been a lot of steroid use in sports and the people who are saying this is a clearly a attempt to just make sports fair are complete liars or, or being disingenuous because they never talk about steroids this way. And steroids are rampant in sports. I mean, there's so much human growth hormone and different legal steroid use right now. So I just it just makes me mad. I think it's completely ridiculous that she's doing this. And it just seems like some kind of intellectual dark web op to me. I, and I guess that's all I really have to say about it. No, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. It's really, really, it's openly bigoted. I mean, let's face it, there is no getting around the fact that this is a transphobic, terrible piece of legislation that will undoubtedly hurt trans youth. We're talking about high school where trans kids and teens are already facing serial harassment and bullying and discrimination for being trans. And now you're telling them that they can't join sports, which may be one of the only outlets for trans people to feel normal or to feel you know, like they're included in something. Yeah, it's sort of like it completes the circle of like making them able to fully no, it's integrate. Insane. So it's to insane. take that it, away, it's like, no, you right. can't have this because yes. you were born a male it's very interesting line uh, to draw and it also like you said it hurts all women this is like the same trope of like um, women are weak and we need protection you know this is something that has been invoked to introduce the bathroom legislation the bathroom predator myth about trans people like harassing women in the bathroom it's also inviting essentially gender policing to cis women being like, oh, so are you really a man? Are you a boy? If they seem like they're physically advantageous or like have a physical build that's more masculine. You know, there's so many, so many things wrong with this. Um, also, just how much it's been debunked that trans athletes have an unfair advantage that is completely not true. Yeah, Everything they just is anecdotal. Yeah, yeah, it's total it's, anecdotal it's, evidence. Yeah. And that's that's what they lean on, and they also lean on, as I was saying before, and it's it's kind of a a red, you know, uh, what's the way right to call it? like a reptile brain sort of bigoted trope to be like, you know, look at this um, guy who has pigtails uh, winning a gold medal in weightlifting. Is this fair? Like you'll see like a tr- memes <laughs> in like right wing social media that'll right. just be like that. And that's right. that's the general impression of it. So it's like, of course, you need to actually look at the real data here and not trust this sort of right wing or even it's not even right wing. There are sort of like liberal intellectual, like atheisty, you know, new atheisty Sam Harris type people who will really lean on this and be like, science shows that there are two genders and biology shows X, Y, and Z. It's like the more you actually deeply look into the mm-hmm. science too, mm-hmm. the more nuanced and fluid and and blurry and kind of gray area all these things get and you realize, oh, they're cherry picking the science too. Oh, oh no, absolutely. Those fucking dumbasses read... are cherry picking the yeah. science. Those fucking lying pieces of yeah. shit, dude. Yeah, no, you're totally right. There's so many weird things about like the chromosomal makeup yeah, of there's such what makes a idiots. man and a woman and it's so much more nuanced and there's so much more gray area. Um, I'm just happy that the rug's been ripped out under them you know like they don't really know where to go now they're kind of flailing in the wind like i don't even think we talked about this that the idw is like disbanding circular firing squad on themselves dave rubin threw sam harris and the weinsteins under the bus he said that anyone who's not part of the trump movement is irrelevant right now dave rubin is actually starting to talk about civil war because he's a little baby bitch yeah right saying like i can't fucking i'm not gonna fucking take this anymore 
Yeah, right. Looking all huffy. Ready for the revolution, baby. Good luck, dude. Get your ar- get your gun out, dude. <laughs> Go for it, dude. Someone's been stealing your mail. We'll have a civil war over it, you little bitch. Yeah, dude, he's he's has nowhere to go because he has banked all of his talent on being like a, you know, Trump sycophant as this gay commentator, but he's not good enough to be like an actual conservative commentator. So now he doesn't have that card really um, under Biden. I don't know what he's, where he's oh, going to yeah. go with it. And Sam Harris went full resistance, you know, like, yep. like orange yep. man, Hitler, like crate, like he really went overboard on the, on the Russia Yikes. Manchurian candidate stuff. He's got to listen to his meditation tapes more. Yeah, and then the Weinsteins went uh, in a weird place where they kind of landed, I think, again, more in the place that is the quote-unquote the realignment, the Cigar on Jetty, Hudson Institute, mm-hmm. the Claremont Institute, some of these podcasts popping up that are, you know, these anti-woke left podcasts that are, that actually like are tapped into Hudson and, and you know, Cigar mm-hmm. and the Weinsteins. And that's it's like, I- oh, this little world, it's like a kind of a carved out version of the intellectual dark web that's actually being um, coupled with the think tank industry, some kind of like weird track of the right wing think tank industry, and then has appendages to people like Frank Gaffney and things like that. And you're just like, what yeah. the hell is this shit? So it gets weird. But yeah, the intellectual dark web itself is fracturing. There's a lot of fracturing going on. But I don't know, like the Tulsi stuff, I don't know if that's ever going to fracture. It seems like her followers have always been more of a cult. Uh, did you have anything more to say about Oh, yeah. Tulsi? Well, I wanted to just really quickly talk about the other bills that she's introduced. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Equally as insane. The first bill that she introduced was to ensure medical care to babies born alive after an attempted abortion. So this is something that you heard Trump talk about how he was like baby, you know, aborted babies, they throw them in the garbage or something, they have to kill them after they're aborted. This is a non-issue. So this is as fake as the the concept that trans athletes are disadvantaged because all these men are turning into women to dominate women's sports. I mean, it is a total non-issue. The fact that she actually is introducing legislation about this is shocking because I've seen doctors weigh in saying this is literally does not happen. What woman in their right mind would carry a fetus past like 20 weeks thinking that they're going to abort it? Obviously, there's something horribly wrong with the fetus. When you're making a decision to have an abortion after 20 weeks, and this isn't even like the late-term shit that Tulsi Gabbard's talking about. That shit's fake. But when you're talking about like late-term abortion and you think that it's something like Tulsi Gabbard's proposing, but really it's about women who are making that fatal decision to terminate their pregnancy that late in the game, it's because the baby, there's something wrong with it. I don't even know what the statistics are, but a very, very low number of women who decide to abort their babies um, that late, abort fetuses that are that developed. You know, it's always way more murky, way more of a gray area. There's always something that is obviously wrong, right? No one is making that decision that late. So this is disgusting. It's vile. Um, And this is the the first bill. Yeah, it's feeding to the culture war. She's trying to get a space at the IDW. But that was the first (laughs) piece of legislation, Robbie. The second piece of legislation she proposed. So she introduced a bill this week that, quote, outlaws abortions for fetuses capable of feeling pain capable of feeling pain. Again, a highly subjective fake issue. How could you possibly determine if a fetus feels pain? That is right. That it just it is made to to basically just narrow the ability 
limit more and more uh, avenues for women to get abortions. I mean, that's all these kind of bills are designed to do. So it's... I guess I'm just really angry as you're talking because it's just so obvious what the what the end game know, here it's is. Disgusting. With it. It's disgusting, Robbie. Um, and so that's what she's doing. All these pro-life movements are praising her, saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. I think it really just shows you, you know, you can leave the cult, but the cult never leaves you. Um, you know, she denounced all of the anti-gay stuff with the cult that she was in with the science of identity earlier on. But obviously she still feels pretty strongly about about the culture war stuff because she's doing all these bizarre symbolic measures on her way out the door. And I don't know where she's going to go with it, but it's not pretty. It's really not pretty. Um, You know, I was going to talk about Biden's administration, and I think that we should save that for the next podcast because there's so much else going on. And he hasn't really finished appointments yet. Like, if I'm not mistaken, the CIA director and stuff are still, you know, we're still waiting to find well, out. We don't know who, if he's going to be gonna president. Be Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah, he might. I mean, exactly. He might, he, so. t- I mean, he might not walk into the White House. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, let's wait on that. Uh, a lot to say about that. Briefly, Robbie, before we get into China Gate, um, the Venezuela election scandal, you know, Venezuela just had elections. They have elections every year. They've had 20 elections in the last 20 years. You saw the corporate media go on a propaganda campaign, putting it into overdrive, saying, you know, Venezuelans are bribed with food, that Maduro's starving them into submission. And when I was preparing for this interview I did with Kay Pritzker on Empire Files, about which people can watch, and I won't belabor all the same points here, but what was really interesting was when I was doing the research for the interview, every single corporate media article talked about how Maduro bribed voters with food. Um, And that like literally people were told by a Maduro official that if you don't vote, you don't eat. And I kept seeing this quote everywhere. If you don't vote, you don't eat. And I even saw the clip. It was cut from like this guy on stage. And he was like, no come, see no vota. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? And then if you do a little bit more research, you find out it's really funny. Actually, the guy was making a joke about sex because I guess in Venezuela, comer also means like to fuck. And he was just like, yeah, if you don't vote, like your wife's aren't going to, your wife isn't going to fuck you. Um, Like saying that, you know, you need to participate in the revolution, all this. And so it was just insane to see like the corporate media again, cherry pick what this guy said as a joke and make it seem like there was some sinister government campaign to deprive people of food. (laughs) Like, and it's just disgusting, you know, and they were talking about these ID cards that you go and show at the ballot box and then. And then they they designate who, you know, who's voting for Maduro based on these cards. It's like, no, these are ID cards that everyone has and everyone gets the clap basket. And, you know, I know that it's like hard to be surprised anymore, but I I, I still become surprised at the levels that the corporate media will stoop to to just mindlessly parrot outrageously false narratives, you know, that um, that Maduro is starving all these people and, and forcing them to vote for him and all this shit. So anyway, of course, the PSUV, which is Maduro's socialist party, took control back of the National Assembly, which was headed by Juan Guaido, the, the coup puppet, um, who is still getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars from the U.S. government, by the way. In the middle of a pandemic, cool. the U.S. government and State Department are still paying hundreds of millions of dollars to the Venezuelan opposition. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just so typical. And I think that 
it's another thing I think we really, really need to pay attention to here. Every, you know, I get all these replies anytime I talk about China, for example, mm-hmm. on Twitter, where people say, you know, well, what do you think of China doing X, Y, or Z, or the Uyghurs and, and this and that? And I just keep going back to, don't you understand that when America is really at a low, like we're, we are exposed as a failed state during this pandemic, this situation is pretty much a nightmare. And the fact that we're just deflecting and talking about the way other countries, like these Russian hacks from a couple of days yep. ago that apparently has, has, I don't even know what the hell the allegation was. And even the way the right was going after Venezuela for the voting machine, saying that like this had something to do with Maduro and Hugo Chavez, the Dominion mm-hmm. uh, voting machine company comes from Venezuela and they worked with the Venezuelan socialists and all this shit. It's just like, I mean, isn't it obvious to people that America is in a really bad state right now? I mean, we do have a president who's still acting insane and will not will not concede the election results during an, like this national emergency, um, while this like rush through obviously experimental vaccine is being like pushed on everybody. Where they're on TV, they're being like, "Oh, look at I like Fauci said like I injected Santa Claus like to like a children on like TV," Yikes. and it's like. It's like this shit's really like this is a bleak kind of almost like soft post-apocalyptic feeling landscape we're still in right now. So I I don't know. It's just funny to me that people cannot see that all these deflections towards China are essentially a way to just take our eye off how bad things are here and how they're going to probably, God, I hate to say this again, but they're going to get worse here. And (laughs) I don't know. Do you want to talk about, have you seen much of a ramp up lately, Abby, in this and what I would call China Gate, because let's just actually start calling it what it is now. It is the GOP MAGA movement's version of Russia Gate. It really, it, it's essentially that, and it has become that already. So, what have you been seeing? I have not been seeing much because I don't pay as much attention to right wing media sphere as you do. But I will say that people like Matt Stoller, who is a xenophobic psychopath, are for some reason invited, boosted, and legitimized in left and progressive spaces constantly. It is super stealth and sus shit. Um, So yeah, when I see stuff like that, like alleged progressives saying stuff like China is Nazi Germany and Elon Musk is a Chinese communist agent for buying ventilators from China, like I I get really worried. I think he was mocking. I I saw that tweet and I think that was him actually trying to brush off the people who say that he's always paranoid about China and he was making like a joke out of himself. Well, you can't tell the difference. That's the the thing. You really can't tell the difference because he's insane. Well, he's trying to slither out of the accusation by using some kind of humor as deflection. He he thinks he's as clever as his brother, who is an actual Hollywood filmmaker, but he's definitely not. And yeah, it is. The the Matt Stoller thing is weird because that's infiltrating left spaces. Um, Glenn Greenwald actually wrote a Substack piece that I thought was pretty, you know, strong on the Chinagate vibes already. And uh, people were calling him out for it. Danny Haifong and a lot of people were like, dude, this is like, this is like a Chinagate thing you're doing. Why are you doing this? Um, And he kind of doubled down on it. So I think we're already up for a rough ride because like Biden's going to be a China puppet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Greenwald literally said in the comments to someone who was responding to him, he said the Biden administration is in bed with China. Glenn Greenwald. That sounds like a Rachel Maddow level kind of China gatey thing to say. And it is just sort of weird how Tucker Carlson, 
I'll just say this for the record. I don't buy the argument that going on his program to spread some kind of message about how Russiagate's fake, th- th- those kind of things, I just don't buy the idea that that is actually doing anything other than preaching to the choir. So I think it's actually really important right now to call out Tucker Carlson for basically becoming the Rachel Maddow of Chinagate. He is taking the crown right now on television of being the most prominent voice who is anti-China on television. And he is actually the most popular news show on a news network on television. He gets the highest ratings. So I I think we really need to start realizing how dangerous the situation is going to become, rhetorically speaking. Because Tucker's programming, Abby, from the past couple weeks or so, one particular segment that we're going to play a clip of in a second was so dangerous, the rhetorical escalation was so dangerous, and the narrative was essentially saying that China controls our media and all of the Democratic Party. That they that China is now controlling our media and erasing negative statements about China from in our media. That's how much power China has. And Tucker was spinning this narrative, and as I was watching it, I was thinking, this is like five times more effective and more convincing than any Rachel Maddow segment I've seen on Russiagate. Yeah. It was actually frighteningly convincing. Right. It hit the reptile brain cues better. It hit the xenophobia cues better. I mean, I was like, it was kind of scary to watch. And I think we, that is a hint of what's to come. Today, our reporter, Brooke Singman, obtained a 2017 email from Joe Biden's son, Hunter, to the chairman of the Chinese energy company, CEFC. Now, CEFC, you might remember, is the company that offered Hunter Biden $30 million for, quote, introductions alone. Introductions to the people his father worked around. Introductions to his father. Consider that our media class and the silicon companies they depend on for revenue operate in exactly the same way. It was just four years ago today, December 16, 2016, that our national news media was united on one point. Nothing, they told us, was a bigger threat to the safety of this democracy than foreign meddling in our politics. It was happening before our eyes, we were told, and our president-elect, Donald Trump, was probably complicit in that meddling, not by China, but by Russia. The Boston Globe ran an op-ed that began this way, quote, a specter of treason hovers over Donald Trump. That same day, December 16, 2016, the Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, China's biggest front for retail sales in this country, published a piece with this headline, quote, FBI in agreement with CIA that Russia aimed to help Trump win the White House. And of course, National Public Radio, CNN, NBC, every major news organization dashed off similar stories, making the precisely same point. And yet none of these outlets are saying word one about the emails we just read you, the Biden family's attempt to get money from our chief adversary on this globe, which is the government of China. They say nothing about Bob Iger's propagandizing and profiteering in China. They celebrate the idea that he might be our country's representative to the government of China. Now, why is that? Because our media are dependent on China. They won't let you view stories about Hunter Biden because those stories are really about China. And negative stories about China are not allowed. It's becoming obvious. Just hours ago, a major digital storefront in the United States banned the sale of a video game because it mocked the appearance of the president of China. Not of our president, but of the Chinese president. That's not allowed. And yet in the face of this, Joe Biden is accelerating our sucking up to China, installing Chinese propagandists in the U.S. government to represent our interests in front of China. 
This will continue to happen every day in this country. And if you try to say anything about it, your words might disappear too. It's not just going to be that Russia controls, you know, Trump, that somehow Trump is a, Russian, a Manchurian candidate of Russia. It's going to be that another foreign country controls our country's entire, not just pol political class, but also like our media landscape too. China has their hand, their shadow puppeting everything that we're about to see with the Biden era. And that's a really creepy climate that they're creating. And I think it's going to be effective and I'm, I'm concerned about it. Um, and I think people really need to armor up and start to get ready to fight against it as anti-imperialists. I, I, I just yeah, don't see any other so way around crazy. it. Yeah, that's interesting because some of the members of Biden's foreign policy team, like uh, Sullivan and Blinken, they both disagree with Trump's extreme hostility against China. I mean, I'm sure that they obviously still want regime change there, but they want a different strategy, you know, similarly to like Iran. And so that could also be why there's this extra ramp up when, you know, they know Biden is going to approach it differently. And so they want to paint him as like this China puppet to make him more hawkish against China. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, basically, they, they disagree with like the economic decoupling from China and stuff like that. Some of the only good things that we should not celebrate, you know, politicians for doing or presidential administrations for doing. As much as I thought Trump was a loathsome monster, even by the time that he won the presidency in 2016, I still thought that a detente with Russia was good and should happen. Same with the detente right. with North Korea. Of course, I'm going to encourage that. That's what my a mm -hmm. position will always be so in terms of a biden administration as much as i think he's a piece of shit and his foreign policy is going to be horrific uh, uh some kind of reset with china there were rumors actually a couple weeks ago coming from like wall street journal uh writers and stuff saying that there was talk biden might be doing a china reset in the same yes. way that the obama administration was going to do a russia reset now the sad part is and I'm not saying that it's sad for Biden or anything. I just mean sad culturally here because of that's how stupid people here are. Is that everybody who is already primed to think, oh my God, that means Biden is bought by China. Yep. You know, pressing a reset button or whatever the fuck they're planning on doing. They're going to do that. would be hilarious if they did that again with a video <laughs> game reset button yep. and like Chinese characters or something. And they also spelled it wrong, just like they did with uh, Lavrov. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it is. It is crazy. It is crazy. And the same thing with Venezuela. Biden is now saying that he wants to open talks with Maduro um, to lift some of the sanctions that Trump put on Venezuela. So, yeah. Um, but just really quickly, let me let me fire off some of the other things that are going on with Chinagate. Eric Swalwell um, is a mm -hmm. congressman who uh, there was an expose report that came out in Axios, actually, which is interesting. Some of this anti-China sort of paranoia stuff is starting to come from New York Times and places like Axios now. And I think that that's key because for the whole time, Abby, we've mostly been seeing it blasting out of places like the Epoch Times, the right media outlets, OAN, Newsmax, um, NTD News, some of those fallen gong outlets have been doing it the hardest. Now we're starting to see it kind of come in from more mainstream outlets and that this story about Eric Swalwell supposedly sleeping with some kind of Chinese spy that was his aide that stole secrets, it kind of actually took Chinagate to a new level. And I'm hearing from people personally now that their like grandparents are talking about China now who like mm. watch Fox News and stuff. So 
it's actually started to become something that's that's now being constantly talked about on Fox News as well. It's not yeah. just you know this thing that was sort of happening in the background that was amping up. It's now crossed over to that level, and now we're seeing like a weird coordinated effort where now all those fallen gong networks, Epoch Times, NTD News, OAN, they're all sort of really leaning into this idea that Trump is still going to become president. And also even leaning more into the QAnon stuff. They're becoming full QAnon sort of flavored networks to a point they never have been before. And that is really interesting that they're all sort of coordinating together on the Stop the Steal protest. It's very interesting and not super surprising either. So I just think we just really need to get ready for something that's basically going to be a more amped up, more visceral even more reptile brain convincing with Tucker leading the charge version of what we saw of Russiagate uh, for the next four years. We need to get ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you also have the neoliberal humanitarian push of the Uyghurs, you know, so it's coming from both sides full fledged and you have the right wing media machine essentially deflecting all blame for the virus for COVID um, away from our politicians, away from the Trump administration which is really that that is who is at fault for the ridiculous situation yeah. that we're in and, and deflecting it to China. Yep. So we're going to see a f- full-fledged attack on China from all sides, holding China to account for their human rights abuses, coupled with Biden's a China puppet, coupled with this is the Wuhan virus, this is the China virus, and we need to hold them accountable for unleashing this virus, this quote-unquote war crime um, onto our country. And it's already perfectly set up, Abby, because the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, guess what can happen with it now? And they're probably even going to be more likely to do it now because Twitter was censoring it and stuff. The Republicans are going to crack open that Hunter laptop leak and, and use like it as a mini Benghazi every oh, of couple course. of months. Yeah. And it's going to be hearings. all about China. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Endless, endless hearings about, about the Hunter Biden shit. Yep. But about the Hunter yep. Biden China sp- companies yes. specifically. Yes. And we've gotten yes. into this habit now where it's like, because there's so many Communist Party of China, you know, members and because like there's this idea that China controls every business in China and every corporation and they control it from the top down, then anytime anybody does any kind of business with China, it's just people don't even question this narrative anymore because it's like, well, yeah, that is the Chinese government like bribing the Biden's family. It's like the, it's it's that sort of baked in it's so you know, to gross. the narrative. And the people who were questioning Russiagate are buying into this stuff. And That's so what's it's so fascinating. Be, the people about who it. trusted them on that are going to believe them on this because they're going to say, well, this is different. I've already seen people saying that exact thing. Someone said the other day to me, they were like, Russiagate was fake, but this is real. Like, this is really real, and you need to stop like denying it. And I was just Jesus like, dude, Christ, holy dude. shit, man. And, it, and it's such casual racism, too. Like, for example, this is just one example of all of what you're talking about. A Tennessee senator, Marsha Blackburn, tweeted, China has a 5,000-year history of cheating and stealing. Some things will never change. That is so fucked up because they actually have a real culture. It's like, look at us. <laughs> we have, like, us. 300 years of, like, enslaving people and, like, fucking genocide. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's like no one, all these people who are talking about China endlessly, and the same the same thing is true about Russia. They know jack shit about Chinese culture, about Chinese politics, about the Chinese Communist Party, about anything. And they have no historical understanding, no cultural understanding, no political understanding, just none whatsoever. No. Oh, and Abby. It's disgusting. 
the shadow hot war with China was was happening in QAnon world where there, the things have gotten so wacky where now ch- narratives about China are being pumped out China. into that narrative. I mean, into the QAnon narrative. And, and I saw this video that was circulating in conspiracy world, in the Q world, uh, that got very viral of a guy saying that Trump just dropped a, a Moab on a secret Chinese bunker that was in <laughs> Maine, right near the Canadian wow. border. The wow. Battle of Amazing. Maine was won by Trump in a shadow hot war with China. There was an invisible Moab that no one saw. 50,000 Chinese dead Chai Coms are buried in Maine right now under a Moab that Trump just nailed them with. Someone made the comment, isn't it funny that this like completely batshit conspiracy theory based on uh, 4chan is like more of a viral movement and like more cohesive than the left in this country. <laughs> oh, dude, like, it's scary as hell. It's really, really disturbing. Let's let's segue into now this martial law stuff because I'm sure QAnon has been a participant in this as well as keeping the theory that Trump really won the election, that Trump is going to stay in the White House, that Biden is not the legitimate winner. All of these lawsuits have failed. Right, the the recounts went through, and Biden still won them. None of this shit has stuck. Well, no, I mean, but but you said that what you know is Q saying it, it, that Trump still won the election. Is Q uh, denying that he lost? Q has barely said anything since the election. Mm-hmm. That's what's so fascinating is that Q, the actual poster Q that is now located on a coon that is supposed to be the official Q poster, the Pied Piper of the QAnon movement, has essentially thrown the talent. He's just like, fuck it. And the, the yeah. movement itself, the QAnon movement, has exploded beyond Q. Right, so right, right. it doesn't it's and and that's what's interesting now is it seems I guess like, that's what I mean is like the movement itself you well, know yeah, like but they're it, just yeah. But what's weird is the people who are now in charge of that movement Abby are the following people. Michael Flynn, mm-hmm. Sidney Powell, and Ron Watkins now out in the open as a social media personality in and of himself who is now he's never said I'm Q or I was posting as Q. That's bizarre. He just came out Started constantly tweeting about Dominion voting system. Sidney Powell included his uh, uh, affidavit in a lawsuit in one of the states for Trump. So it got weirder after that as Trump started like retweeting Ron Ron Watkins, like a bunch. Uh, uh, And then, and so did Flynn and Sidney Powell. So they're all like retweeting each other now. And it's just like, what the fuck is this shit? So. I mean, on some weird level, it does seem like Michael Flynn is now in charge of the QAnon movement. Not that he wasn't before, because he was like probably, if you're looking at anyone who's deified in the QAnon movement, number one is obviously Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then who's number two? I mean, Michael Flynn has seemed like he's been up there. Michael Flynn is number two. I mean, there's nobody who even comes close to Trump Mm -hmm. or Michael Flynn in terms of Mm -hmm. being beloved. Uh, with no no disruptions in their love, there's never yeah. been any questioning of either one of those people. It's always been Flynn and Trump, like this. And I'm doing this like finger, I'm putting my fingers together, like they're tight. I mean, the QAnon people love both of them. So what was really disturbing, Abby, and this is something that people who have listened to our QAnon episode already know, you know, what I thought could have even been just a troll. The, the whoever was posting his Q originally could have been just trolling the Alex Jones Infowars movement and been like thinking, how can I trick this movement into 
you know, let's do a troll job on them where we prank them all into going along with martial law. Let's say we're going to arrest Hillary Clinton and see if they'll go along with martial law. Let's see if they do it. And the scary thing is it worked. If it was a prank, if it was a psyop, if it was, I don't know, a crazy person who really believed that Trump should do that, I don't know what the purpose of it was, but it actually worked. And people went along with that and thought, we need this. We need martial law to arrest Hillary Clinton back in 2017. Right. And now he's floating it again, saying, you know, to invalidate the election results, we should have martial law to rehold the election. Well, apparently Trump said it, yeah, in a in a White House meeting. But Michael Flynn, we and we don't know, you know, exactly who was there, exactly what Trump said. You know, and I'm very I, I rarely ever believe these fly on the wall type of White House reports, you know, from the New York Times. I, I usually don't ever give them a second look, but when I saw this one, I thought this actually seems plausible to me. Because it's not just Michael Flynn, Abby who went on TV and advocated for a martial law election redo. It's other mainstream GOP politicians now who are calling for a martial mm-hmm. law election redo. Oh, and like just total wacky Trump whack packers like uh, Mike Lindell, the Mike Pillow guy. He's out there on Twitter saying martial law today for <laughs> well, no, I an election redo, dude. I completely believe it. 100%, yeah. dude. But I mean, 100%. I do think that we have crossed, you know, crossing the Rubicon is what uh, I guess the, the Julius Caesar did to um, institute martial law, which is what Ron Watkins actually advocated for. He said Trump should pull a Julius Caesar. He was tweeting the other day on this giant mm-hmm. thread. I, I do think, and maybe you disagree, that I think it's, it is crossing some kind of psychological Rubicon or political Rubicon for a general who was a big general who was hired by the Obama administration, who's out there saying that we need to do martial law for an election redo. I hear some murmurings, uh, you know, about the staff shakeup at the Pentagon. They're putting people in place who might not be opposed to aggressive action. And the president Mm -hmm. does have some options, at least on paper. Can you tell us what those options are and um, your opinion, if you might take any of them? Well, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to take any of these options. I, I mean, the president has to he has to plan for every eventuality because we cannot allow this election and the integrity of our election to go the way it is. I mean, this is just totally unsatisfactory. There's no way in the world that we are going to be able to move forward as a nation with this. So the president has a has a, a and I just mentioned one of the options. I mean, he could immediately on his order seize every single one of these machines around the country on his order. He could also order, he could order the, the um, in, within the swing states, if he wanted to, he could take military capabilities and he could place them in those states and basically rerun an election in each of those states. I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, these people out there talking about martial law, it's like it's something that we've never done. We've done, martial law has been instituted 64, 64 times, Greg. So I'm not calling for that. We have a constitutional process. We clearly have a constitutional process. I mean, what the hell do you think about that? I mean, the whole thing is so wild. Again, it's like it's hard to be surprised at what Trump does at this point because it just continues to get more insane. But the fact that he's floating the idea of doing martial law to redo the election results. um, I mean, like you said, he was floating the idea of doing martial law a lot during his presidency, putting National Guard in the streets and all of this. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. During the Black Lives Matter protests, he was floating the idea of doing martial law. It is crazy how little coverage it's getting, like the fact that his surrogates are out there promoting this idea 
And it really shows you, again, like 70 million people in this country believe that this should happen. They believe that Trump is the valid winner of the election. They believe that he is still going to be president. By default, they like believe that anything is justified in order to make this happen. And don't so you whether think that's, that that's installing martial law, huh? Don't you think that's Q level thinking oh, at no, that it's, point? It's total Q level off the chart psychosis, mass psychosis and mass hallucinations. And but even look at how this is reflected in Congress, Robbie. That's what I'm saying. You yeah, saw it's like, a list it's like of, a, Q- of sorry, go ahead. Of you saw a list of 126 House Republicans supporting Trump's lawsuit to overturn the election results. Yeah, from Texas, on behalf Supreme, of Texas. Yes, asking the, the Supreme fuck? Court to invalidate the election decisions. Um, and that is that is an astounding number of representatives agreeing with this, 126. So basically 64% of the entire House Republican conference supporting Trump's attempts to invalidate the election results. Like, that is really out there, dude. And you know damn well that Trump is keeping a very close watch on every Republican who is jumping ship and who is not supporting him. And even but that, why? They know that he's not going to be pre- like. That's the thing. It's like why? He must what, have what? some kind of crazy. Uh, he has some kind of crazy, intimidating hold over them. Still, I don't still? know. Even when yes. he's going to leave office, like yes. do they really? Th- I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, the, okay. Well, that's the thing. Are they actually ready? to try to like push this country towards some kind of civil war martial law scenario or are they just doing it because they're intimidated and going along with it i mean that's it's like either or mm-hmm. it's kind of scary to think because yeah, like what does he both have scenarios on are scary right what does he have on them that at this late in the game they're really trying to like just kiss his ass still it's like who fucking cares dude everyone's acknowledged trump is the winner you had william barr even come out and say that there was no widespread voter fraud evidence you know, it's like, what more do you need? Why are you latching onto this guy? What do you know that we don't? <laughs> like, Yeah, no, it's very strange, Abby. And Matt Gates is, is saying today that he's going to dispute the electoral count in Congress. And there are some kind of emergency legal maneuvers they can pull that are really crazy that involve stalling the electoral vote count under a disputed count that will somehow install Pence as president and all this shit. And I'm reading this thinking they wouldn't be that crazy to do that. But if Trump is actually bringing, I mean, we got to paint the picture for people. Trump brought in Michael Flynn and Sidney Powell into the White House for a powwow. This was after we had thought that he had fired Sidney Powell because she was being too crazy in public. You know, that's what we thought. And he, you know, Trump had just pardoned Flynn, but I didn't think Trump was just going to be bringing Flynn back into the White House like this. That is, you know, after Flynn is just basically the leader of the QAnon movement now, openly so. Flynn is now calling for martial law on Newsmax. So now Trump is bringing him into the White House. And apparently this really happened in that meeting. um, He appointed Sidney Powell to be head of his own special somehow counsel for election investigations moving forward. And this is the weirdest, craziest part about it, Abby, that I don't think I mentioned to you, is that in that meeting, apparently they devised this plan where somehow Sidney Powell is going to subpoena that Trump is somehow going to give her the authority to subpoena all these different polling locations to just basically have cops come in and take their machines. That's insane. Which doesn't seem very likely at all. And the crazy part about that, attempt to do something like that is it sounds eerily similar to a QAnon narrative that was going on two weeks ago about how Trump sent in deep state 
patriots to go in to Frankfurt and steal the Dominion server from the CIA deep state headquarters that was holding it, and that Gina Haspel died in the firefight with his anti-deep state forces. Is Trump at this point actually reading QAnon narratives and being like, I want to do that? Is he? I mean, I, I don't know, dude. It's like, it almost yeah. seems like you read it and was like, I want to do something like that before leaving I mean, office. If, I mean, these guys are in his ear, you know, he's it's meeting with them at the nuts. White House. I mean, this, that's what I'm saying. It's like when we were projecting, oh, there could be this mass uprising of like the Trump loyalists or what? Where the, where's the QAnon energy going to go? I'm more worried about like spasms of random violence once this illusion breaks because it is going to break. It's gone way beyond Q at all. That's what I was trying to say earlier. That, when yeah. I was saying it's Q level, I didn't mean that it's like these people are Q and honors now. I meant that they're basically, it's like, it doesn't even Operate matter the if they same, read it yeah, now. Mindset. Yep. It doesn't even matter if they go to Epoch Times. It's like somehow this mindset has spread in mass to everybody. Yep. yep. It's, yep. it's, it's fucking disturbing. Yeah. And let's wrap it up with talking about at the same time that this idea of implementing martial law, Trump is floating pardons of Ross Ulbricht, Julian Assange, and Snowden. So saying he'll look into it. He wants to consider this very carefully and everyone's just going nuts. You had this pastor, this fake dude on Twitter, basically just declare that Trump was going to pardon Assange, and everyone just fucking repeated it as if it was a Q and R pastor. And it was absolutely disgusting because it's like, dude, you are you are signaling to his family. When I saw that, I was just like, dude, are you kidding me right now? And his family believed it. Why wouldn't they? You know, like the, they just sad. assumed that this guy had inside information. It was really, really sad. It is really sad, and I don't understand where this is coming from. I can only assume it is coming from Trump, but we don't know where it's coming from. It just seems like there's all these little campaigns that are involving his surrogates right now that are advocating for these pardons. I should just uh, set the stage for people is that previous people that Trump has pardoned include Bernard Carrick, the former NYPD chief under Rudy, and the vice occupation governor in Iraq. He served uh, prison time mm -hmm. for bribery felony charges. Trump also pardoned Scooter Libby, um, you know, uh, yeah. Cheney's chief of staff. So why is Trump getting all of these random surrogates to create all this sort of media hype, whisper campaign out there that he's going to pardon Assange, Stone, and Ulbricht? Can we just say, after personally overseeing the arrest and extradition trial of Assange. Like he personally ordered his arrest. That is the Trump administration. So it is just bizarre that he would then pardon this person, right? It is. Well, it's absolutely bizarre. And it's also bizarre that someone, you know, who I learned the name of, like from being in the 9-11 conspiracy movement, a guy who's like a suspect, Bernard Carrick, he's going on Newsmax saying he's trying to lobby for the uh, pardoning of Ross Ulbricht. And he believes that the president is planning on pardoning him. And I actually got confirmation that that information is in and of itself true. That Trump has been telegraphing to people around him that he wants to do that. Right. That's, that's so That's somehow weird. been verified. And that, and that is just so weird. Like, what is the end game here? Is Trump just doing this optically so he can go out with like a, like a, a lazier version of the Eisenhower military industrial complex speech and just pardon one or two or three people that will be he'll be celebrated for. I think that's almost too much wishful thinking that he's going to pardon any of these people. I mean, I won't believe it until I see it. That's my of stance course. on it. 
You know, look, so, but also let's let's be on the record saying, of course he should. None of, of these fuck, people of should course. be in prison. Yeah. You know, none of these people should be in prison. Trump is such a con artist. He's clearly doing this for a certain reason, and he has intentions that we don't yet understand. Do I believe that he's going to actually pardon Ross, the founder of Silk Road, in the dark web? Absolutely fucking not. That's crazy to think that he would do that. Um, pardon Assange, the person that he personally oversaw his arrest and expulsion from the embassy? No. Snowden? No. He yeah. called these people fucking traitors. He advocated the death penalty for them he before did. he was running for president. So whatever happens, it's going to be really interesting, but none of this is like, there's some sort of operation going on. And because it's so weird, as you mentioned, like conservative people and Trump surrogates are going out there to be the media spokesperson for this campaign. Oddly enough, speaking of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe publishing that that um, phone call between a State Department lawyer and Julian Assange. Recorded Julian from Assange. Yeah. Recorded from Recor- Assange's end of the yes. phone call. It was yeah, yeah, given yeah. to O'Keefe right. exclusively by someone who was close to Julian Assange, which is which is odd. Yeah, no, and it, and it was obviously to quell the fear from the conservative base specifically, or I guess all you know everybody who thinks that WikiLeaks was dangerous and because they didn't redact certain things or whatever, put CIA officials' lives in danger. It was Assange specifically saying that they were taking extraordinary measures to do so and that someone had stolen the leaks and was warning the State Department that they needed to find them so that they could squash the attempt to publish these without any redactions. So it was just super weird that James O'Keefe was out there trying to like, trying to put that out there that like, oh no, WikiLeaks took so many measures to do this. Like you should not worry about Very them in that regard. Then you had Sarah Palin, someone who had also advocated like the death penalty for Julian Assange going out there and she saying said she, she should be hunted down. Video. Yeah, she like, never... Well, she she said she was wrong and she made a mistake on this video. It's just that, so weird that Assange was a patriot or something, which is really weird, obviously. Um, but she didn't specifically say she regretted wanting him murdered. You know, I felt right. like that was missing from her video. Right. And obviously, Sarah Palin is a total phony, like neocon puppet. Um, but I heard that Rudy Giuliani is now out there advocating for the pardoning of Assange, and that's when my mind sort of completely Whoa. breaks. Because why would People who I'm very focused on, frankly, for the sketchiest shit you know ever that I've learned about in American yeah. politics, Bernard Carrick and Rudy Giuliani, that they're out there pardoning or uh, advocating for the pardoning of Ross Ulbricht and Assange is just interesting in and of itself. Why are they doing that? What is their purpose? Are they just doing it for Trump? I mean, it's just very odd and peculiar, and I'm just it just I just am really confused by it. I mean. Because ultimately, Abby, what's going on right now, and I'll put on my tinfoil hat for a sec, is that it's Trump. If we take this at face value, that Flynn is in Trump's ear, Flynn is openly calling for martial law, even though he's like, no, I'm not calling for that, but the president can do this, um, that Trump is essentially wanting to do martial law as some kind of end game before January 6th, simultaneously with wanting to pardon Ross Ulbricht, Edward Snowden, and Julian Assange. Can anyone make any goddamn sense of this? And here's my only answer to it if I put on my tinfoil hat. And someone on Twitter actually said this too, and they kind of took the thought out of my mind, uh, that what if Trump is crazy enough to want to do this, an election redo in the swing states with military support? If he's that insane, it is kind of almost like a genius optical play to get all the Q and honors to just look the other way and be like, oh, he's, you know, 
he's pardoning all these people. He's anti the deep state or to just somehow create this sort of lead up to this idea or this hope that he is going to pardon all these people. So let's just coddle him for the next few weeks and let's placate his ego. I was even told by someone on Twitter that that's a good strategy is to try to placate Trump's ego to get him to pardon these people. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Trump is either going to pardon them or he's not. Like, why right. would you even be in a position to think that way? That's to, like, absolutely Trump bizarre. To do it. That is yeah, nuts. All these people on Twitter to be like, Trump, do this, do yeah. this, do this. Like, they, the libs would hate you. It'd be the ultimate lib own. Yeah, I mean, it is really strange. It is interesting in the sense that that could be the climax of QAnon. You know, that could be the storm <laughs> <laughs> unleashed. Is uh, if Trump really did this, then they would feel I mean, validated in many, many yeah, ways. No, exactly. And sadly, Abby, a lot of leftists who you know sometimes we we get annoyed by would be like, "Yep, I this is amazing." He's a, he Trump right. oh, is, yeah. was like anti the deep state. Yeah, if we weren't annoyed really, enough before, and by the way, I do think obviously all these people should be pardoned, and I would give Trump accolades for doing that, of course. But it would be very annoying um, to see Trump's crimes completely absolved. And especially since, like I brought up Chelsea Manning to you, when Obama commuted her sentence, we still gave him shit for overseeing her torture. And I don't think people will do that uh, for Trump. But well, again, especially like, the Bell Barge Bridge stuff. Thinking. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I don't want to comment on any of Julian Assange's like family members or anything like that, because obviously I could see every reason why they would want to promote any version right. of you know, big attention towards of course. her husband or, or fiance getting a pardon. Totally makes sense. But on the other hand, I'm going to Edward Snowden's timeline and he's like retweeting like Ian Miles Chong and all these like crazy right wing <laughs> yeah, like no, Nazi people about pardoning Edward Snowden. I'm like, dude, there's other people who are also talking about pardoning you. Like, what do you, why are you also playing into this? Like what in the hell is going on? You know? And I kind of did, I think he retweeted that pastor too. And I'm just like, yeah, no, he did. That was really weird too. Yeah, and then and then everyone had to retract it. Well, this is what I'm thinking. I and this is not even a conspiracy theory. I'm I'm pretty sure that Trump has his tentacles to even like people like Greenwald somehow like via Tucker, where Tucker's like, yeah, I'm getting word of that course. Trump is going to pardon Assange, and Greenwald probably believes it, and that's enough. So to sort of give him that extra fuel to validate that, and if it happens, I will celebrate it too. But like I said. I don't hype shit up until it happens. Just like I don't believe right. Trump is going to withdraw the troops from Afghanistan until he does. He's said a lot of fake shit. Right, yeah. It's almost like people are giving him credit for just the idea yeah. that hasn't been validated by Trump himself. It's just like people saying like Trump should do this and, and he would be great if he would do this. It's like, oh, that, that's awesome that Trump's even like contemplating this. It's like, what are you talking about? How do we know that any of this is true? It's just such it a deflection. It is so bizarre because like obama i'll give him points for this just on a pr level he could have tried to score points with the left more and been like you know floated people on democracy now and other places being like we need to start advocating for the pardoning of chelsea manning or something he could have sent like surrogates out but that didn't seem like yeah, obama's he style he just sort of slyly did it and I thought that was very interesting because it didn't give the chance for his critics to like go after him before the right. fact. This seems like if the, let's just say, let's just be like the most fair to Trump. If, is this Trump trying to feel more confident or comfortable pardoning one of these people? Like if you just say pardons one, will that win him a lot of points? 
or I mean, it seems like he mostly does things out of ego, but he also is not going to do something if it like makes him look too bad. So like, right, well, that's what's so weird too about people like Sarah Palin going out there because it's like, who told her to do that? You know, this I could see somebody that did, argument, yeah, and, and that argument is definitely valid, especially knowing how Trump is such a fragile little baby. But like, you know, Fox News and and Newsmax and OANN and all that shit. Like, I could totally see him watching those networks and being like, "What is the reaction to this notion that I've floated out there?" But people like Sarah Palin, it's like, what what's that about? Who's it's, telling her to do that shit? And is Trump even giving a fuck about what she says? It's just like so weird to me that that kind of stuff is happening. I think Trump is behind it. I mean, that's the old, that's the best theory I can come up with in the same way that he used to work the tabloids back in like the mid 90s mm-hmm. when Selma Hayek wouldn't date him. Yeah. When she turned him down, he then called a random tabloid and put out a story saying that she asked him out and that he turned her right. down because she was too short. Like totally mm-hmm. made up weird shit so that he like somehow saved face from getting turned down by Selma Hayek. It's just like baby as shit. I feel like it almost it's feel well, it feels similar to me. To well, that. so if Trump's behind it, then doesn't <laughs> that give legitimacy to the notion that he's thinking of pardoning him because he's trying to build this media? Well, I think he just wants the credit for it before he does it. It's like it's hard to say. I mean, I don't. Maybe he is just thinking of doing it because he wants that credit. Like that's how that's he's looking so at it. Strange. It is strange, but also at the same time, it's going to look transactional if he just only pardons Assange, because everyone's right. already accused Assange and right. Trump of somehow being in cahoots for the election. So like that's optically not going to like help him from the you know it's so I don't I mean it, the whole thing. Well, is I feel just like so that would also strange, hurt. Maybe. Yeah, I feel I feel like Snowden is so much more safe, especially because of his whole totally. NSA deep state spying on my campaign thing. It's like great. Well, then pardon Snowden at the very least. But I feel like if he pardons Assange, it's going to be so such political suicide for him because it really is a bipartisan hatred for the war crimes that Assange just exposed. You well, know, way the- past the Podesta stuff. And if Trump really does want to run for re-election again in four years, and he's going to spend the next four years trying to gain this political capital about being, you know, um, undermined by the deep state and ousted, then I I don't know if that's going to be a good move for him. So you don't think he? I mean, you don't think he? Um, like strategically, I-, I just don't believe that he will for his own ego, even because I think that he does want a political future. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because the North Korea thing seemed almost like that was his own idea. Like he wanted that photo op shaking Kim Jong-un's hand. It was a very smart sort of historical move. Um, And I feel like in a weird way, he might be wanting that same thing maybe with Assange or something. I don't, I mean, it's, but you know, it totally doesn't make sense because yeah, he's the one who oversaw (laughs) <laughs> this unsealed indictment being used to to keep him in his UK prison. So that's the thing. I mean, it's it's he could have stopped that. It is super strange, Robbie. It's super strange and the fact that we're even like speculating all of this just shows you how how much everyone's just been brain fucked by this person. And and that's why I'm happy to see him go, you know. Well, that's me I'm too. I'm happy to see him go. Biden's not going to be able to brain fuck on his own with his own ability to manipulate the media and you know it's going to be like a technocratic type of brain fuck like we're more used to we've been through this rodeo before it's going to be weirder definitely like with covid around with the more woke era around like they're going to weaponize shit in a definitely a crazier way than we saw before but 
I feel like we're going we're to be more prepared for it. Trump, having Trump in charge of this is just, it is like a wild card element that is, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it, and it's also really toxic and scary. And I, and I just think it's harder to combat in a weird way. It is. And that's why I'm happy that we won't have to focus on Trump for many, many reasons. And we didn't even get into the assassination of Fakhrizadeh, the nuclear scientist in Iran. And we can talk about that later on another episode and what the fallout may be for that, because that could have disastrous implications for the potential renegotiation of the nuclear deal. So there's all these different things at play that are directly trying to sabotage what's next. But for now, let's wrap it up, Robbie. Um, I hope everyone has a safe holiday. I hope everyone had, you know, was able to stay a little bit sane this year and is staying safe through all of this craziness. Um, and I hope you have fun with your families. Um, and just remember, everybody out there, try not to get sucked too much into the rabbit hole of, you know, letting people make you paranoid about China or any other foreign country right now. We need to clean up our own mess here in the United States. And remember what happened with Russiagate. I mean, it wasn't just a means to saddle the current administration and to undermine them and to delegitimize you know, Trump presidency. Russiagate was also used to keep the Russia hysteria alive in the press, to make us feel that Putin was a threat to our country and that Russia was a threat to us. It, that's part of the purpose that it also served. And that's what's also going to happen with Chinagate. So just remember that, that even if you think that Hunter Biden is compromised by China, if you don't want war, you don't want war escalations and you didn't want it with Russia, why would you want it with China? Why do you want these same neocons and hawks to be driving this bus? I mean, I, I just think it's it's completely ridiculous. So that's all I'll leave people with and have a good holiday out there, everybody. Take care. Have a good holiday. Stay safe. Hopefully next year brings better things. And really great talking to you, Robbie. And I'll see you in a couple of days when I come up there. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Media Roots Radio. It's been an awesome year being a part of this community. Um, please join Media Roots Radio on Patreon to join our Discord channel so you can directly engage with us and other Media Roots subs. Be. Be.